You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. Recording in progress. Got it. Welcome <laughs> to my views are my own movie reviews. My reviews are my own, and today I am once again joined with the talented, wise, worldly, unlicensed pilot, uh, space explorer Nancy Gorman, aka Nova Halo. What's up, Nancy? Yo, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I just finished watching Aliens uh, again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess this is the, this has to be the hundredth time I've seen this movie because I, I started watching it as a child, and yeah. I had it on VHS like cassette tape, and I probably wore that tape out, and mm-hmm. now I own it on like, thirtieth uh, anniversary deluxe edition Blu-ray. <laughs> wow wow which is funny because i forgot i even had that i was trying to find it on a st- some streaming services i was like does netflix have it no and i was like should does hulu have it and they didn't have it. and then i was like wait i have this and i went and i dug it out and actually i'd gotten it as a gift and i didn't realize it. it came with all these like cool ass comic books and all kinds of cool shit that i'm gonna oh, wow. dig into later yeah that's so nice i've got to have a look at that yeah I, i'm pretty surprised it wasn't on netflix actually i, I managed to stream it through Disney Plus, which I would never have thought it would be a part of wow. um, well, on someone else's account. <laughs> is there something to do with like maybe Fox Searchlight yeah. and Disney or I they don't know these corporations. Everything. I do know it's yeah. a Fox uh, production because I, I actually did some additional research beyond just like this is a di- this will be a different movie review than normal because a lot of times we just get on here and I do a lot of talking shit about the movie that <laughs> comes up. But to me, I mean, this is this is a nearly perfect movie, and I've loved it my whole life. Yeah. So, I uh, I, w- I went into some uh kind of like some little deep dive research into more about it, more of how it was made, some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just because I was yeah. like, why not? Why not just you know? Because obviously, Aliens is a whole ass vibe, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more. Yeah. Um. It's the character how they developed the characters was really cool like with Ripley and all the maternal aspect and actually there was so much I had a look at the trivia on IMDB last night and there was so so much I I was scrolling through it for more than half an hour and we got like halfway through and um I didn't know that they filmed it actually in England and I was pretty disappointed that apparently um the English staff were rubbish they were just oh they were pissed going (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that um, they were going for fag breaks or to the pub or anything like, and um, that work ethic apparently was a lot worse than the American crew 
when they did, did Alien. But did you read what their uh, motivation was for that? Yeah, wasn't it? They they really didn't like James Cameron. They were really snobby towards him because he hadn't made a name for himself. And, and they were very loyal to Ridley Scott. But, I mean, it's kind of sad. <laughs> I, I mean, my understanding, because I had read some interviews with uh, this one. I, I forgot exactly what his... He was like a, a crew chief. So he was in charge of a lot of the crew. And he uh-huh. was saying that, like, uh, what what it was is that people felt like Alien was a British film and that, you know, and that Ridley and Ridley Scott had created a perfect film and that it was kind of and they were all like, oh, it's bullshit that this American is going to come over here and make a sequel to that. You know, they felt like it should only be Ridley Scott. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous because a lot of the crew are American in the film. And <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. But whatever. I mean, uh, I think what actually I heard some stuff too, like, like you know, because they there was a whole walk out like at some point the the british crew walked out of the film completely they're like we're not going to do anything else for you because uh james cameron fired the assistant the assistant director who was british uh-huh. and he was kind of the uh-huh. go-between and because sigourney weaver was so beloved by everyone she yeah. pulled it all together and she went to the crew they all they all they all knew her because she had been an alien one and mm. of course she's the star you know james cameron has to listen to her too and she just pulled yeah. the whole thing together and she's like, look, we got to, you know. And yeah, and I, she wasn't even going to do it, was she? There was a whole thing about that. Um, that's what I found uh, so interesting uh, when you just brought up the fact that, like, there's the that maternal aspect, you know, because mm-hmm. it does come down to like a show, uh, a showdown between uh, Ripley as a mother figure uh, with Newt and yeah. the queen alien as a mother figure towards all aliens. Yeah. Uh, Actually, that really sold Sigourney Weaver on the role. I think that was one of the things that got her into it. She's like, oh, I like that that vibe. Yeah, and she, um, wasn't it her kind of idea to have the aspect of um, her daughter dying? And I was actually quite, um, the version that I found on Disney+, Plus, um, it wasn't the special edition version with all the extra scenes, because I was watching it. It's been a couple of years since I watched that particular um, I was going to say episode, but one. <laughs> and um, I was like, where are these scenes? Like um, Timmy and the car and, oh yeah, uh, you know, I, find, I hate that scene. It's so sad. But, um, and finding out that her daughter's passed, it's been 57, 56 years. Um, oh, apparently, yeah, yeah, you know, the thing is, I did the exact same thing as you. Is I watched the, yeah. I had the choice of watching uh, special edition or theatrical release. And mm-hmm. just because I decided to watch the movie this morning before we got on our call, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I don't have time to watch the special edition. And yeah, yeah. Also, like, I mean, that didn't come out until the '90s. So, and even mm-hmm. then, it, it wasn't the popular. Like, if if you bought it, like, if you bought a home copy of it, that wasn't the more likely one you would get. So, I don't think I even yeah. saw personally. I don't think I saw the special edition probably mm-hmm. until like 2015. Might have been the first time I saw that. Yeah, apparently she was pretty annoyed that they cut a lot of that stuff, but um, they were worried about the length of the film because even without it, it's two hours, 20 minutes. Um, Now they don't seem to care about that kind of thing. That was the thing is, yeah, like uh, I I know that's a complaint that a lot of people have about the movie because it's something to do with the pacing. That's like, because it builds to a crescendo. You know, it's kind of like in the Hall of the Mountain King or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, it has this huge yeah. buildup, but that's what I love about it is all that world building. And then yeah. you, you start to really care about these characters. 
and then of course it, it becomes more and more tense uh i'm trying to think of the name of the uh the guy that did the score i think it was his name was horner horner james, james horner? horner yeah yeah, Horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he died in a plane crash his own little plane i think really a couple of years ago yeah um i think it might have been a cessna i might be talking shit but uh oh. yeah pretty well, sad then, uh, excellent rest in peace james horner and but before we go i mean obviously it's no less sad but uh but one of my favorite actors of all time to me he truly is like i mean i know sigourney weaver is the star star of this movie but bill mm -hmm. paxton steals the show time and time yeah. again and, and i love him in so many other things so rest in peace bill paxton i think he died in 2017 uh and an interesting fact that i learned while deep diving into this bill paxton yeah. in movies he has been killed by an alien a predator and a terminator whoa <laughs> that's a pretty amazing accomplishment all right let's set the scene yes uh the escape pod life raft floating through like deep space we don't know what's going on you go inside everything's covered in ice it's caught by a deep space salvage team and it turns out it's ripley and she has been in cryo sleep for 57 years so she's just she's just now found out that you know she put herself in the chamber when she was like 30 and now she's an 87 year old woman technically yeah i don't know uh what do you think about like some of that like some of the beginning stuff with uh with her and paul riser and he's explaining to her that some of it was so hilarious i don't know why i found it so funny and there's something about i don't know what it is about his appearance like there have been some studies where um, there are certain features that people have that might make them more or less trustworthy. And I just, I don't feel like there's anything particularly obvious about him, but the moment you set eyes on him, you just know not to trust him. Yeah. Do you feel that way when you see him? Uh, I don't know what it is. It's so hard for me to watch this movie now and try to see it with fresh eyes because I've yeah. known, because I know he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure like, you know, to audiences when it very first happened, especially because Paul Reiser was like a like at that time was like a, a loved comedian and i know that he was cast in that role specifically because james cameron was like he wanted someone that you would never guess was the villain until the big reveal look those two specimens are worth millions to the bioweapons division right now if you're smart we can both come out of his heroes and we will be set up for life and so right. paul reiser you know he has and he's like the star of, the, you know, Mad About You. And like, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure if I. He did it really should, well. Necessarily. <laughs> I mean, his hair looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the beginning. I think a lot of people can identify with Ripley. Like in the start, she's often really undermined and. He infantilizes her quite a lot, keeps calling her kiddo. I don't know if that's just a colloquialism, but I think it really adds to the whole, you know, that they don't take her seriously. Actually, I remember when I was a kid and it was so weird because, I mean, in England, I don't know if you guys do this in America, but here, Burke is like a cuss. Um, if you call someone a Burke, you're calling them an idiot. And I remember watching it as like a four-year-old and being like, 
why is he called Burke? That's so yeah. weird. <laughs> like it's like someone being called fool or idiot or dumb or something. Yeah, but, I didn't know um, that. Every time I talk but, to you, uh, I learn new words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I wanted to agree with you were saying, like, yeah, with with uh, so let's just call him Burke. But yeah, that's Paul Reiser's yeah. character, and Burke is yeah constantly doing like what you're saying. He's like he's gaslighting her, he's speaking down to her, he's calling her kiddo. Yeah, but I wanted to go like even uh, further to that, you know, because there's that board meeting she goes to that he's he's a part of, and it's all yeah. the all the corporate executives for I, I can never remember the name of their company. It's Wayland. Yeah, it's, it's something weird. Um, it's it's, it's like a Japanese name. Wayland Year something, and apparently the you might know this already, but he he came up with that um, name based on some bad neighbors that he had, and it was his kind of tribute to. to saying that they were dicks oh he just stole their uh their names yeah put them together yeah that's cool (laughs) i and i know a lot of people didn't like uh didn't like prometheus or uh alien covenant i fucking love those movies and i love finding out who waylon is you know and uh played by guy pierce yeah no i I liked them too but yeah Um, uh, what i wanted to say like what you were getting at with like i mean you were saying more to the point burke you know is he's like Oh, come on, kiddo. Like, let's go do, you know, all you have to do is come along and be an advisor, kiddo. And I'll, you know, I'll get you a, your, I'll get you reinstated as a flight officer because she's been demoted. Yeah. For, but what I found to be, you know, so accurate and appropriate to the world we live in is she's in that corporate board meeting where they're all trying to assess mm-hmm. how much money they lost, not let, you know, and they don't even yeah. care that they lost the lives of every crew member of that ship except for her. And mm-hmm. Like everyone in that room, and I don't know how many of them are complicit or they know that that alien species does exist. A lot of people do consider this a feminist film, especially when it came out. I know there's more problems with it now, but in that scene, <clears throat> one way or another, either the what you know, if you're a, an executive in that room, you either know that this the species exists and you want it captured for the bioweapons division, or mm-hmm. you don't know the species exists and you're just being deliberately uh stonewalling this woman and saying well i don't believe her like and what if yeah what if one of the men what if the captain of the ship had come back the man if he had been there saying it would they have been like oh well he's a he's a man and he probably telling the truth yeah and (laughs) and even the other woman does it to her as well which is something i'm sure lots of women listening will identify with maybe an office work or any kind of work she's Um, awful yeah the i can't it's hard to tell exactly what her role (laughs) is i think she's maybe like an insurance auditor but uh, uh she's like reading ripley's statement and but reading it back to her in like in sarcasm and it's just yeah. I, I was just like god oh, i hate her <laughs> yeah none of them have any clue and she's very haunted isn't she and um i think so wasn't there an idea that aliens was meant to kind of represent the vietnam war and ripley is one of you know many soldiers with PTSD. Yeah, I don't. I think, you can apply that to so many things, can't you? Like it's not necessarily one thing. I I think that that's something that they do extraordinarily well in this film is that Ripley, you know, certainly has PTSD. She's been through something. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, all of her friends were killed in front of her by a terrifying monster that she barely mm-hmm. is able to kill. And then she's in cryosleep for 57 years. And then she gets out of cryosleep and is immediately being berated by a bunch of corporate shitbags who have never experienced it's, a real thing in their yeah. lives. And uh, 
what, what I like is that they don't expressly say that she has PTSD. It's, they're not like out, you know, it's not, uh, it's just that Sigourney Weaver is a great actress and it's a well-written yeah. uh, role. And so you just see yeah. it like the scene. I think they cut away from the boardroom and it cuts to, she's holding a cigarette and the cigarette ash yeah. is like two inches long. Cause she's been like staring into the distance yeah. and forgotten. She's been smoking the whole time. Yeah. What a detail. Wow. And then I guess, I, I you know, but yeah, like you said, the, the nightmares, the parts where she wakes up, like she's like covered in sweat. That's so hilarious when the woman goes, do you want something to help you sleep? And she goes, no, I've slept enough. Yeah, that was a good line. She's got a lot of great, great so lines. Well delivered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so moving forward, I mean, we, we know this as the audience that they want to get her, they want us. Well, also, you know, if you've seen the extended cut, which you wouldn't know if you watched the uh, theatrical release, that Burke has already sent the colonists to the derelict spaceship where he knows that the xenomorphs are in order to obtain some eggs <clears throat> for their bioweapons division. Uh, what I don't completely understand exactly is why they why he feels like he needs to bring Ripley along and also why that why the Marine sergeant also feels that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe um maybe he thinks that she might know something from her previous experience that will somehow help him in doing what he needs to get done. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but it is it is crazy like that scene where they're you know they're trying to convince her to go back. Lieutenant am I right? That's true. We've been trained to deal with situations like this. <laughs> then you don't need me. I'm not a soldier. And uh, this was something that I did, I did read because uh, James Cameron did agree and admit that a lot of this was inspired by the Vietnam War. A lot of parallels you could draw. So, I mean, because, but I think that later on her motivation switches from that she's there to face her fears to that, yeah, that she becomes a mother to Newt. Mm-hmm. But I guess we're kind of jumping ahead. Oh, but yeah, I guess like this kind of brings me to what when you are saying the the Vietnam War, this is what's so incredibly like I, I like how they there's certain uh, symbolism in this that is so blatant, and this has been yeah. noted by a lot of people. But the the Marine spaceship that they're on, like the major like ship they're on that, that does like faster than light travel, mm-hmm. looks exactly like their rifles in the movie. It looks like a giant gun floating through space. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the some of the symbolism would be, you know, if you were going to take it and say that it's like the Vietnam War, would be that uh, in like in Vietnam, the U.S. went in with, you know, all this superior firepower, all these bombs, jets, helicopters, machine guns, and didn't know what they were up against and lost anyway. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know a lot about the Vietnam War. I'm ashamed to say. There's not a lot I know about it. I couldn't comment. <laughs> I guess this film couldn't have happened if, um, so the in the original film, I mean, before before they got started, Ripley was going to be a guy, wasn't she? So... Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was written for a man. Uh, this is actually far more embarrassing than you saying you don't know anything about the Vietnam War because you're not an American, and that's that was. A U.S. I should still war. know. I should, it's a big world <laughs> event. <laughs> but uh, what I one thing that I am not super educated on, and I'll tell, like, I'll readily admit it. You know, I know that feminism feminism has gone through like multiple stages, and in 1986, 
this film was very widely received as a feminist film and a really good one. That's because that was like, I think at the end of second wave feminism where more of uh, what, what it meant, uh, what feminism meant at that time was to like, what Ripley would have been a great example. It's just mm-hmm. showing that a woman can do anything that a man can do or putting a woman in the role of someone that's typically a male profession or some shit. So, or, you know what I mean? In that yeah, way. I mean, it's 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 a shame that it can't be discussed without um, being attacked. And of course, you wouldn't mean any kind of offense. But I'm I'm quite intrigued because um, I'm not sure what I find what is um, what's wrong with Ripley's character or what she represents. I I mean, I can only see good, really. <laughs> I that's what that's the thing is that's why I wanted to be careful specifically just with using the term feminism that's what i want to be careful with i'm not going to be careful by saying yeah i mean i think the thing is as well with that term is it can there's a what's this there's this word i'm looking for where it's um it's kind of its own umbrella as well like there are so many different and i'm sure that there is disparity between different feminists and what that means and what's cool and what's what's well, not <laughs> i think but, uh, with this filming the only thing that i know for certain that some uh people might consider like ripley's character or her role or how it like how it didn't uh fully live up to the level of feminism that it could have is that she takes on a motherly role in it and that becomes her motivation and some people you know why why does she have to be uh, a mother you know but it's also I think like that's kind of sad yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I mean, why not? But I understand. I, c- I can see why that would bother some people. But I don't know. You've got to look at the context. It would be a different film, wouldn't it? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I think it expands on her strength, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'd be wrong to say that she's doing something that a man couldn't, because obviously you've got plenty of kids who only have dads and they're fulfilling that parental role whether it's a mother or a father but it's nice that through the maternal subplot we get to see more of Ripley's emotional side and um, her human side she's not just a boss bitch who can give great orders and all the rest of it she's very in many ways, like she's stronger than many of her male counterparts of the film because she's she handling all the same to... shit they're handling or handling better. Uh, you know, like Bill Cat, Bill Paxton's character. Although I love his character, he's amazing. He's got he has all the best lines. Mm-hmm. He is he's always he's constantly falling apart. You know, he's not in he's crying. You know, and there's there's actually that scene where Ripley's like uh, he's like they have to, they find out they have to like they won't get a rescue ship for seventeen days, and he's like. 17 days we're not going to last 17 hours you know and she's like oh, this, he, this he little girl so yeah she's like she goes this little girl yeah survived longer than that with no weapons and no training and he was like well fine why don't you put her in charge man <laughs> this little girl survived longer than that with no weapons and no training right Why don't you put her in charge? You better just start dealing with it, Hudson. Listen to me. 
Hudson, just deal with it because we need you and I'm sick of your bullshit. It's great. Yeah, that, that's actually really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's cool. But like then, it you know, breaks stereotypes. So Ripley's yeah. doing more than just, she's not just there to be a mother to Newt. She's, the, I mean, because she, she takes full command. Like once, once the shit mm-hmm. hits the fan, like once they go and this is, I mean, also I think we kind of breezed over this and we should probably go back to it because it is yeah. potentially the greatest, one of the greatest scenes in any movie. But mm-hmm. after they go to the, uh, the colonist uh, facility and they find that, you know, there had been like a lot of small arms fire and attempt to barricade. Everyone's missing. Yeah. There's no bodies. There's uh, just the face hugger parasites like in a laboratory, but no evidence of any colonists, just evidence that there had been a lot of battling and the evidence that there had been acid blood. So they had killed some of the aliens in the fight. And then they are able to find, uh, I guess they have tracker devices implanted in all the colonists. So they're able to go to uh, the nuclear reactor, which also is the hive of the aliens. And which is so amazing because they walk mm-hmm. in. I want to say one more thing about Bill Paxton because there's a, there's a scene and someone's complaining about and there's shit dripping everywhere you know just disgusting like resin dripping it's like steam. yeah and that was um ky jelly apparently oh was it that's amazing yeah <laughs> that's a lot of KY. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah what i was, what I was saying is like even through the screen you know just watching it at home or in a theater you can like feel the humidity in that room and uh someone's like god it's hot yeah. in here and uh hudson goes like yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that part. That's hilarious. I, I think some people found him annoying, and I found him perfect. It all. My dad all loved him. <laughs> I remember because the first time I saw this film, I was about four. My dad, you know, inappropriate, but I would not change it. He woke me up at like one a.m., and I remember, <laughs> like, you know, my eyes were barely open, and I could just see a ship at one point. I was like. I don't remember this scene in Star Wars. I was really confused. It wasn't, of course, it, I just saw like in the interior of a ship. They're not even alike. But um, my dad bloody loved Paxton. He's, <laughs> he's brilliant. He's the comic relief. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. It gets more dimension to the film. There are some really funny moments. Some of it, some of it I don't think is meant to be funny. But then there's some that is obvious, you know, totally, totally. And also funny. like, you know, in terrifying, traumatizing experiences in life, there's still funny shit happening. It's yeah, I feel like funny stuff that like rarely ceases to happen. I mean, you might not be in the mood to laugh at it, but oftentimes yeah. there's been times where I've had a, a miserable experience, but you know, obviously later on I can look back on it and laugh and be like, well, yeah, yeah, and it, it depends. I guess it depends as well on your particular type of humor and all that sort of thing, but. I mean, I don't know. I, I grew up in a family with quite a dark humour. I mean, this isn't so much dark. I'm kind of going off topic. But I remember when my granddad was dying in hospital and the nurse came to my nan and said, um, how long have you two been together? You know, they're like late 70s. And she goes, two weeks. Like, she was totally joking. But I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Um, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself and tell the awful jokes that I've told in the past in very dark moments that people have not appreciated. But, Feel free um, to tell as many dark jokes as you want. Uh, oh, oh, man, I feel, like no, you were, I, feel like, I feel like I didn't even introduce you. I feel like I, I, I have this tendency. I have ADD, and I just skip ahead and I jump around. But I guess oh, I but, forgot to yeah. mention 
to anyone listening, if like if they don't know, because they haven't like, you know, if the podcast is like, you know, if they haven't, if you haven't here been here from the beginning, Nancy was one of the very first guests on this podcast when it was a brand was new 12, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you were episode oh. 12. That was when yeah. I was still like practically only interviewing. You were maybe one of the first people that I didn't already personally know and had, I met you through wow. Dominic. So you might have been like the first the person that was like, not just a friend of mine. Yeah. But we're friends now. <laughs> I can't believe that was like 2020. I can't believe. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I think I, the last time I spoke to you was 2020 because we did a spooky episode, didn't we? In like Halloween. I was going to say that too. Um, you... That was- brought it oh my god you had one of the so from all the like messages that i got from listeners your story on the first halloween spectacular which is crazy that there's been two halloween spectaculars now yeah but, uh, yeah i really everyone said your story was the scariest really i yeah. didn't think it was but that's cool i like it it's surprising what people will be scared I... of because like what? some people had like you know poltergeist stories like murder stories all kinds of shit but I think yours just had a vibe, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm, I feel um, proud. I guess <laughs> not proud, honored. Or maybe it's just uh, that you have, like, you seem trustworthy. Like people believe that oh, you're that's... honest and that the experience is real, and so that they're that's more fine. like more scared because it sounded like real true. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That that was entirely my sincere experience um all right so yeah we're in the the alien hive was it oh sorry to say this but one of the one of the total fucking douchebags of the film his name is gorman and i'm sorry i know oh my god yeah i remember what you know when um, they decide to detonate themselves because it's that or get ripped up um that you always were an asshole, Goran. Uh, Gorman! Oh my God, not Goran. <laughs> and um, I remember my dad saying, yeah, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I'm a Gorman kind of by adoption. So I'm going to, um, what's, what's the phrase? Uh, I'm going to hang on to that because <laughs> uh, he's a terrible character. He's disgusting. Well, you know, I'm ashamed. Much like Hudson, he has a character arc. He has, he has growth. Because in the beginning, what it is is in the beginning, yeah. he's just he's you know wet behind the ears. He's too fucking green. They shouldn't have sent. Uh, he was, I mean, he was an officer. I just don't know what his rank was, but he was the highest ranking officer on this mission, and he'd never been in combat. They have that whole scene where they're doing the the drop to Earth and the drop ship, and uh, Ripley's mm-hmm. like, "How many drops is this for you?" And he's like, "38 simulated." And she's like, "How many?" <laughs> He goes like, "How many combat drops is this?" And he goes, two, including this one." And that's when all the Marines in the back are like, "Fuck, we're fucked." <laughs> but, I, but like what you're saying in later on the scene, like when he, uh, you know, in the very beginning, it's he's it's his fault that half the uh, half the Marines are killed in the very first encounter with the aliens because they're so unprepared and he's such a poor leader. But I feel like after he's like has a concussion and has a little bit of time to think. I feel like he realizes he's a bad leader and that's not what he should be. But he goes back yeah. and sacrifices himself for Vasquez and pulls, you know, when they get surrounded by that's aliens, true. he pulls out the grenade. Yeah. Not because he's a piece of, not because he's an asshole or a piece of shit. He's just like, hey, rather than us get taken and cocooned and have. Yeah, there's something really sweet about that scene, actually. Yeah. So I would like to go ahead and say that, yeah, Gorman starts out as a piece of shit, but a lot of character growth. And then 
ultimate sacrifice at the end. So yeah, I wasn't fair. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say true. one thing too. I learned this recently. I don't know how deep I want to get into this because I thought Va- like I've always thought Vasquez was like such a fucking cool character. She's so badass. It's another one of like the feminist aspects of the film. She's strong. She doesn't take shit from anybody. Uh, you know, the other Marines try to. Uh, she's funny. Yeah, she's funny. They try to give her shit. She gives them more shit back, and you know, mm. I like, I like, I like how she gets out of cryo sleep and immediately starts doing just fifty pull ups. Pull ups. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Of, have you ever been mistaken for a man? No, have you? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> the only only I thing. Are you going to talk about what I think you're going to talk about? Yeah, I just feel like I, it has to yeah. be said and then we can get past it. Uh, yeah, no, that's also, so, yeah. And shit, you know what? Once again, 1986 was a very different time and people weren't talking about like a lot of important things yet. Then. I mean, this, that was like the fucking president was Ronald Reagan. You know, he was mm-hmm. out here literally. That's when, um, who's that fat piece of shit fucking pill head that just died? <laughs> uh Oh God! Um, uh, he's he was the radio personality that would uh, celebrate every time every time someone would die of AIDS, he would celebrate on his radio show. Whoa! What the fuck? I don't think I know this guy. Oh, no, you'll if I can think of his name. It's you know what? I'm glad that his name is already like lot like gone out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget words and names all the time. I'm I'm like you when you said ADD. I just so disjointed and can't find any words and yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious if I know this guy's name. Rush fucking Limbaugh. Oh, I don't know this guy. Oh, man, he's a he's a racist, sexist, homophobic piece of piece shit. Of shit. And he was and he was one of the most popular radio hosts in America at this time. So I just um, before we go any further and before I criticize this film that I love for anything, I just want to mm-hmm. say the environment here in America was the kind of place where a guy like Rush Limbaugh was topping the charts with his radio show and he had a thing you know that was at the very peak of the aids epidemic and you know at the same you know ronald reagan also you know racist homophobic disgusting warmongering uh just do anything for a buck or anything to get a buck for the corporations that he worked for so these are you know this is the environment this is our government at that time and and yeah rush limbaugh that was one of the things when he died and uh on twitter rest in piss was trending for like a day and all these people on the right were like that's not fair you can't say rest in piss that's not fucking uh respectful you know but this guy doesn't deserve any respect because uh, you know that's people were no. dying of aids all the time and he had this segment on his radio show and he would uh yeah. he would read off the names of everyone that had died of aids that week and then do like and then play like circus music and play like cele- celebration sounds what a moron so uh, <laughs> I just want to say that is the 1980s in America. That's happening. So when something like this happens, like in this film, what the, the point is, is that Vasquez is a Latina character. I don't know uh, exactly where she's supposed to be from, if she's supposed to be South American or from Mexico or, or whatever. But the woman that played her is not Latina. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. I mean, that that happens. It's not good. Yeah, that happened. Still an amazing character. And the thing was, I didn't know that until yesterday, until I started, started looking this up. Uh, yeah, just I just assumed that they had cast a Latina woman that I had just never seen in another film. Mm-hmm. But what I was unaware of is that I had seen her in another film 
James Cameron mm-hmm. cast her in Terminator 2. She was uh, John Connor's uh, adoptive mother. I wonder what she'd say about that now. I'll have to Google that later if, if there's been any comment. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, but it's been so, so long. And I think the thing was when that happened, nobody was having that conversation. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the main reason why I said this is an almost perfect film. <laughs> like, yeah. But I'm not yeah. going to turn a blind eye to like certain things where I'm like, okay. Issues. Like, totally. why did you not just cast? I mean, there had to have been yeah. so many actresses that could have been great in this role. Like, why? But anyway. It's really fucking weird. I, kind of, I quite enjoy, um, to use Blade Runner terminology, the replicant guy. So it's quite nice as well to see the development in Ripley where, you know, she flat out hates bots and then yeah. the bot kind of saves her ass at the end. And how sometimes you might, I mean, not you personally, or whoever discriminates, uh, whoever for whatever reason, because of a demographic they belong to, and then they learn that actually they're wrong and you can't tar everyone by the same brush. I liked that. Yeah. I liked that they had a good one this time. Big shout out. uh, I can never think of that actor's name, but the guy that played Bishop and... Yeah, it was such a cool character, such a cool android. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing is, I love his face. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what... great. But if you know, some people, if, if you've never seen this movie before and you go back and you watch it right now, you might be like, Oh, this is full of so many cliches, but that's not the case. What happened was this film invented all of these ideas, these were breakthrough ideas. This is all very new stuff, it's just that. Yeah. For the past several decades, people have been borrowing from this film because it's good stuff, you know? Mm. I think that whole, yeah. uh, the entire video game series Halo, you know, it owes its entire inception to aliens, you know? Yeah. The, even the mech suits, because if you think about it, Ripley fights the alien. I know, I know she's in a power loader, which is supposed to be just kind of like a bipedal forklift, but it's a mech yeah. suit. I mean, why, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've not heard the word bipedal in ages. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wayland Utani Corporation. Okay. Sorry, that was bothering me, and I'm just glad that I, I just had to get it said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know who we, we have not shouted out yet? Yeah. And going into it, I had kind of like I had forgot that James Cameron even made this. And I know that right now a lot of people have a problem with James Cameron which I was like, I wasn't really sure what that's about. Maybe it's just he's pissed a lot of people off personally or mm-hmm. something. But if you look at his body of work, he made, I mean, he made Terminator Titanic. 2. What? Yeah, yeah, he made the Titanic. Uh, he, he made Titanic made as well. Aliens, uh, The Abyss, True Lies. I don't know. He made a whole lot of shit. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's all good stuff. <laughs> I think he's an incredible filmmaker. I don't know what the beef is. I'll have it. I'll look it up. But he's a great director. All his pictures. He did Avatar, right? I think that was one of the things he was criticized for is everyone thinks that Avatar wasn't like maybe that it was like not uh, didn't have enough complexity or layers or I don't know what they didn't like about it. But mm-hmm. apparently you all went and saw it because it's like. What did it yeah, gross like fifty billion dollars? 
do films always have to have all this complexity as well? Sometimes you might just enjoy the the vibe of the ambience and I'm not, I'm so inarticulate. I'm so sorry. You <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> the funny um, thing is when you just brought that up, that's literally how uh, on an earlier episode of uh, my reviews or my own, where we got into a movies, we were doing the movie Phantoms. I would be really surprised if you've seen it. It's a no, really, no. it's a really early in Ben Affleck's career movie where he's uh, it's a horror movie starring Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, it's it's a simple, straightforward, fun, you know, scary movie. And then it's over. And I was yeah. giving it credit for being just that. I was like, it's fun to watch. I'm not haunted yeah. by it afterward. I don't have to think about it anymore, but I enjoyed it while I watched it. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for a film that like, I don't want to have to think about a movie for the rest of my life just because <laughs> no, no, not always. Not always. And, you know, it's it's very accessible for children. There are some good positive messages in Avatar. A lot of people said it was, I don't know if you ever watched Fern Gully as a kid. I love yeah, it. It's I almost the same, it. uh, same plot. It's the same, it's the same thing. And it's still, it's got good messages overall. What do people want? They just constantly want to prove how intellectual they are. <laughs> it's a good film. Is, <laughs> the thing is like, you know, Fern Gully is a good movie. Nobody's bitching about that. And I would go as far as to say also, uh avatar was a lot like dances with wolves too and uh yeah yeah doesn't like i feel like dances with wolves got like critical acclaim forever and ever i don't feel like nobody ever complains about that movie and it's a lot of the Mm -hmm. same kind of ideas right where colonialists are stealing land from indigenous people like that's kind of like the the concept they should just fuck off Oh, anyway, what I was trying to say about, <laughs> about with Aliens with James Cameron is that, yes, great film. He, you know, he created so many cool things with it, tried so many new things, did it on a pretty difficult to do budget. Honestly, they they were cheap on that. It was like 17 million, which mm. comparatively at that time to other like big sci-fi movies was really low budget. But, uh, mm. you know, he stood on the shoulders of giants because like we were said earlier, this came after... Ridley Scott's film Alien, which was a huge setup, you know, for this film. I feel like you really can't have one without the other. I feel like these movies have to both exist to appreciate either one. Yeah, and... yeah they, they have such a different vibe, but they both are just so brilliant. And apparently Ridley Scott congratulated um, James Cameron and was very pleased with where he took the story. And I wanted to say the other, the other great, you know, other giant was H.R. Uh, Geiger himself, you know, the yes. creator of the Xenomorph, the creator of the derelict ship, the creator of the whole, uh, I mean, like when we talk about vibe, a lot of the vibe is literally just the way they, they do that set design, all based mm. on H.R. Geiger's designs. Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't even have him in the second one, did they? Um, I can't remember what the reason was, but he also congratulated whoever was in charge of that in the second film. And was pretty pleased with it. I once had, you know, there's like Kurt Geiger and HR Geiger. Remember, I had these super ugly, I mean, ugly, like I really like them. Um, when I went to El Salvador, I bought these clunky black, proper HR Geiger esque shoes. Nice. Um, and they were like $10. <laughs> and then I found them years later somewhere, just by chance. They were like nearly a hundred quid. And um, 
just, it just it was just kind of funny when you say Geiger shoes because the Kurt Geiger are like proper flash, aren't they? Like these um, stilettos and stuff. And yeah, but I didn't, I didn't tell that very, <laughs> I didn't tell that very well. <laughs> but yeah, he's I, awesome. I do love that the yeah incorporating HR Geiger's art into like more into pop culture and like also into fashion because I you know he's got a really cool message with a lot of what he's creating and that's you know that as our society becomes more mechanized the more we become mechanized and that's why like he you know creates so many of those like those bizarre landscapes where like you know if you look at it like if you know maybe at first glance it looks like a bunch of machines but then if you really look at it it's just a bunch of like penises and vaginas that are just made out of machine parts like and, yeah. and and it goes over like a and it's a landscape. It's like a lot of really horrifying, like crazy shit like that. <laughs> yeah, and the aliens themselves in in aliens um are very genital sort of uh, inspired, aren't they? Like, yeah, I mean, especially of- the scene with the with the queen alien when she detaches herself from her ovipositor. Yeah, like that's a pretty disgusting scene. Or, oh, uh, it's so disgusting. I yeah. mean, this has been said before, but the face huggers themselves, it's basically a spider with a vagina in the middle and a tail yeah. that it can use to hold your throat. And then, but this is some of the uh, argument is like, there's, you know, there's the scene where uh, in this movie where the uh, one of the face huggers has jumped at Ripley. She's holding it off and it's choking her with its tail. Yeah. And then it has like, it has an appearance an appendage of some sort that comes out that's trying to get into her mouth and the question is like you know some people have said it's phallic but it's really it's like an ovipositor it's just a, an extended egg laying device so those you know those those are also female creatures anyway all a lot yeah. of really terrifying and like gross ways to look at sex thanks hr geiger yeah <laughs> kind of it want- reminds me of um you know, in Alien, where Ash is trying to choke Ripley with the porn magazine, if you look at it closely, um, really powerful symbolism. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I need to rewatch Alien. I haven't seen that in a really long time. Moving on, and that was the scene we were just talking about. Uh, this is where we, you know, the final reveal of Burke is a piece of shit. Uh, Ripley has let Newt go like sleep in the med lab where and then she goes to uh, check on her and that's when Burke has let loose two of the face huggers because he was trying to get them impregnated with the alien eggs so he could sneak them through customs back on earth and into the bioweapons oh. division to make a buck and I would have to say so like amazing Great, great rescue scene with uh, Hudson and Hicks and Vasquez, and they're like blasting the aliens and getting the alien off uh, Ripley's throat. But I do want to say, speaking of like really great lines, is uh, when Ripley's like, "Oh no, he was uh, trying," you know, he was trying to get us uh, impregnated with the alien eggs so that he could sneak us through customs, and he was going to shoot all you guys out of the airlock and try and get back in. And then she says, like. I don't know which species is worth. Uh, you don't see them yeah. trying to fuck each other for a percentage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Burke, I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them fucking each other over for a goddamn percentage. That's not even said in a way that's meant to be funny, but it, it, it's just great sass. 
And it's honestly, it's one of the, to me, one of the more unsatisfying scenes. I mean, like, obviously Burke gets eaten by an alien later and that's great. That's fine. But yeah, it's when, you know, cause this is the point where Ripley has taken the full leadership role, you know, and nominally yeah. Hicks is in charge because he's uh, like the highest ranking soldier still there, but he takes all his cues from Ripley. But when she's like, I just, I like when like, they're making this, like they're going to kill him. Like uh, Hudson's like, why don't we just smoke this rat fuck right here? And then Hicks is like, <laughs> he's like he goes, yeah, man. He's like, let's kill him. It's like no offense. And he takes him. And that's when the aliens cut the, cut the uh, power. <laughs> and he's like, either, he goes like six meters. And he's, and she's like, that's inside the room. I so like, last night. They're, like they're all like <laughs> backing up and they, like the aliens keep coming close to them and they can't see them because they thought they've sealed off every entrance. Yeah. But somehow they didn't realize there was a ventilation system directly above their heads that you could fit a full ass xenomorph in. Yeah. It's uh, also the scene of uh that's Hudson's final scene. And I think that it's great because once again, like with character growth, you know, he in the beginning he does complain a lot and does have a lot of like, you know, game over, man. What are we gonna do now, man? All that kind of shit. But this is the scene where yeah. he's like, he's just blasting aliens left and right. He's keeping, you know, keeping his friends safe, killing them. And mm-hmm. then he's finally grabbed by one in, in the floor and it drags yeah. him into like, who knows what, some tunnel. Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. So um, Newt gets stuck on a some kind of wheel that takes her down to the next ground level or something like that. And they find her, but they have to flame like laser through um a part of the floor but then of course there's an alien down there and it steals her and um starts to cocoon her but um Ripley can't leave without getting Newt she goes back to get Newt using the tracker that Newt was wearing but she just finds the tracker and it's been detached from her of course but then you hear Newt screaming while she's being cocooned and she manages to cut her out of the cocoon and um, they just about make it in time to be picked up by um, Bishop. <laughs> um, and then he's not there. Yeah. But the ground, but then he explains later, doesn't he? That was so funny. He explains, oh, it was too hot. So I had to circle around. There's, oh. Oh, there's one part that happens in there that I, I want to bring up uh, before we go to the next part, though, because uh, in between, like, yeah, she's like when she goes and gets Newt, but there's a scene where she actually goes face to face with the Queen Alien, which is like really well done. Oh my goodness, what the fuck is wrong with me? That's like one of the (laughs) biggest scenes. Yeah. And the thing is, the alien has two. Jesus Christ. It has like two warrior, full grown alien guards on either side that could easily kill Ripley. And she's got the flamethrower and she points it. She like shoots it one time to show what it'll do. And then she points it at the eggs and the queen alien being a mother is like, Whoa. Okay. And then I, I don't know. I don't know how they communicate maybe with pheromones, but the queen alien has all of her guards back off so that Ripley won't burn the eggs. And then that's like their mother to mother moment. Mm. And then Rick, Ripley basically like yeah. takes about 12 steps back and then 
burns all the eggs anyway. <laughs> and that's what, uh, and that's when the, uh, the queen alien, you know, gets insanely pissed and detaches from the ovipositor and chases her to the top level. Yeah. That scene is so terrifying and right. Ratings. Okay. But we do have to do, uh, finish the film, how it ends. Uh, okay. do you want do you want to do the uh power loader alien blaster out you the... do it you do it you okay. do it. yeah and so finally uh at the very end of the movie ripley uses her ability to be a forklift and start a futuristic for forklift instructor to put on a mech suit and get in a fist fight with the alien queen and blast her out of the airlock and then they all go back to sleep in their sleep chambers. <laughs> All right. The way we rate these movies typically is on a three-part scale, acting, plot, and action. Sound good? Sounds good. Uh, and we'll do like, and it's one to five stars. So one star would be like garbage, five stars, it's as good as Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> we rewatched that around Christmas. That's so funny. It's my favorite movie of all time. All oh right. my god! It's so weird that you bring that up. But okay, let's stick to the ratings. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and honestly, our views are our own. So whatever you know, we don't have to agree yeah. on these things. But uh, unless right. you're that disgusting guy who died, uh, rest yeah. in piss. Yeah, rest in piss. Fucking Rush Limbaugh. He's, <laughs> he's worse than Burke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let you go first. Uh, for acting, how many stars would you give this movie for acting? Okay, I'm gonna give it a five. Maybe I'm a generous fool, but I think it was great. And like the down to the Ripley with the cigarette, and I just think she's fucking fantastic. I thought everyone was great. Only my only complaint, maybe it's because she's a child. I think Newt was a bit wooden at points where she screamed her face. My argument against things like this is there are so many people in the world. You don't know how everybody like looks when they react and do things and all this, but um, yeah, you know, she was a child and, um, but I, I'd, I'd still give it a five or a 4.9 if it's for everyone. <laughs> you know, that was her only movie. The, uh, the well, yeah. 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 I remember reading that and she's got a kind of mix of accents going on. Isn't she, she was an American child, but living in England and schooling there and you can hear um the influence yeah yeah especially like the way she says her name because like I would just say Newt and she's like yeah my name's Newt <laughs> or whatever <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to agree with you 100 percent uh five stars for acting Sigourney Weaver fucking always amazing mm. uh the dude uh Bill Paxton probably one of my favorite favorite actors of all time uh yeah. the guy that played hicks his name is michael bean if he was uh kyle reese in terminator he was great in that and uh just everyone else in the cast everyone was good even like paul reiser plays a piece of shit but paul reiser was great he really really delivered as a sleazy corporate piece of shit so five yeah. stars for acting i'm gonna give it to him mm -hmm. uh all right next up would be plot uh do you want to you want to go first on plot I think the plot's great. I can't fault it. It's so classic. I'm I'm gonna give it another five. <laughs> <laughs> I am also I'm gonna agree with you. 
five stars on plot. It's just, it's, it's perfect. I mean, like, and it's, you know, it's like, it's the, the greedy corporate, uh, just execs are like, Hey, let's send a bunch of Marines. We don't care if they die. We don't care if the colonists die. We don't give a shit. Only Mm -hmm. thing that matters is the bottom line. This is all personified in, uh, Paul Reiser's character, Burke. And it's all believable. It's believable that they would have. Uh, we see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's believable that they had a commanding officer that wasn't prepared to, to do his job. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Plot fucking five. Uh, and then, of course, action. The action is so good. I'm, I'm just going to bore everyone and be like, five, five, five. It's a great, I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving a great movie a great review. I'm giving it a five. Yeah. I want to give it a five too. And I want to add a few caveats or just, or just not caveats, but I just want to add a few points to why it gets a five. And one of them, I think you brought this up earlier with the alien queen, but we were having uh, technical difficulties with the audio. Mm -hmm. So this to listeners, this might, they might not know why I'm saying this, but what is so incredible and to this day, like not only does it stand up, but actually it's outstanding. It's better than so much of the stuff that we're doing with uh, CGI now is these mm-hmm. uh, practical effects. And the fact that, you know, the queen alien was a puppet, was a giant mm-hmm. puppet. They were puppeteering the aliens, like the warrior aliens, the ones that were like the full grown uh, worker warrior, whatever they're supposed to be. They did so good with that. Part of the reason why that was, higher quality than the one than an alien one and, and no offense to people that don't mm-hmm. feel the same way but just the way the aliens were so much more you know versatile and interesting is because they yeah. got a bunch of uh gymnasts and stuntmen people that were extraordinarily flexible that could really move their bodies in uh like astounding ways to be inside the suits so it doesn't look like a person in a rubber suit it looks like an yeah. animal it's moving like an animal it's so believable uh, of course, the scene where, you know, when they first, the very first go into the nest and the, the Marines suddenly realized that the walls themselves are the aliens. And I mean, that's incredible action. Uh, so much cool stuff. I mean, you could just go on and on and on with the great action. So five stars. Um, one thing we normally do with this is instead of just giving it a star rating at the end, although this is the first movie that we've ever reviewed that got five stars all the way through. Uh, but we usually give it like a funny name like uh, when we did fuck, what was it we did Point Break we uh, scored that better than Fast and the Furious when we did Con Air we scored that as a movie Donald Trump would like what do you want to title this movie <laughs> or t- title the score of this movie ah so much pressure it's too good I feel like I'm putting you in that <clears throat> putting you like, in an awkward position I just it's just such a good film that it, it needs a great name and I just don't have the wit to come up with something that fast. <laughs> Damn. I mean, um, we could we could just say it scored, you know, it got it got a five 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 for acting, plot, and action. We could just say it's a perfectly crafted 15. film. Fifteen. It's a perfect fifteen. It's a perfect fifteen. I like that. All right. <laughs> this is a perfect fifteen, perfectly crafted film. <laughs> holds up maybe maybe it'll hold up forever rest in peace bill paxton rest Amazing in actor. piss whatever your other guy's name is rest in <laughs> piss rush limbaugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well nancy thank you for joining me all the way from jolly old england 
to uh thank you for having me to rate this film uh and i'm stoked that uh that you love this movie as much as i do and it got a five 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 perfect 15 it's never happened before (laughs) nobody can see us but we're both doing really (laughs) cool stuff with our arms yeah (laughs) (laughs) well shoot i'll talk to you later nancy okay yeah take care you do bye bye